Welcome everybody to this episode of We Are I. We're sitting down with Maria and she has this amazing story that really, it took me by absolute surprise a few weeks ago when we were together because I would have never have thought uh, that this story was so recent for one, but also that somebody so young would have gone through such an event so recently in their lives and at the age that she was at. So um, I asked her to be able to come down and be a part of the podcast, to be able to share her story because it's absolutely incredible. I know everybody's going to connect with it and it's just overall amazing, astonishing. It might get a little emotional in here. So if we have to take a minute out here and there's some tears are rolling down the cheeks, that's totally fine. Um, we'll just take a few pauses. So be prepared because it might go down that road. So we're sitting here with Maria. Welcome, Maria. Hi. So uh, why don't we just start off, Maria, a little bit more, you know, when you were young. Give us a little bit of a, a backstory of Maria from your childhood and just kind of roll us through a little bit. Um, well, I have two younger brothers, so I never really had a chance with um, they were always just really close, so I was just kind of followed along with what they did. I uh, started off with like me and my younger brother, and he would play Barbies with me, and then all of a sudden my youngest brother came along, and all of a sudden I'm playing cars and trains and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I um, we're really close. We're a close family, and just yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you're. Uh did you guys, when you were young, did you and your brothers play any sports, or were you, were you guys kind of athletic, or? My brothers were always in sports, like soccer, or hockey, um, then boxing, and I never really picked up, like, a sport of my own, so I also kind of just followed in on what they did, so I played hockey for a bit when I was, like, in high school, um, got into boxing after they did, with, like, just through their friend who started a class, um, yeah, I wasn't really, like, drawn to any specific like activity. How long did you play hockey for? Just two years. Two years? Mm -hmm. How long did you box for? Um, probably two years too. Yeah. Kind of like that two years and out? Yeah, pretty much. Anything else besides hockey and boxing? I did dance for a year, <laughs> but okay. I don't have any rhythm, so that ended fast. That's why I didn't get to that two year mark? Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> how old were you when you were boxing and when you were playing hockey? When I w was in hockey, I think I was in grade 9 or 10. I stopped when I was in grade 11. And then when I was boxing, that would have been... I was I was in my 20s, so like not too long mm. ago. So you kind of grew up almost your entire childhood not playing sports? Pretty much, yeah. Oh, what, do you, what do you think led to you getting into playing hockey when you were in high school? Uh, my littlest brother was into hockey, and he was really good at it. And I just felt like I needed some kind of team sport. And I had a friend who was really good at hockey, too, and her dad was a coach. So she kind of helped me slip into the hockey team that um, her dad was coaching. When you were, when you were playing team sports at a, a little bit older age, because you didn't start off playing team sports when you were young, did you see a little bit more of a benefit into getting into team sports? Because I know when people start playing team sports when they're young, they more just want to go out and be active. Mm -hmm. you know. But since you started later off in high school, did you see there being a little bit more transferable? Like, I can see how this would benefit the rest of my life, or did you just mm -hmm. going out just for fun? Honestly, it was just for fun. I don't think I'm really a team sport kind of person. <laughs> <laughs> you like the solo ones? Yeah, yeah. Is that why you liked boxing? Yeah, yeah. It was more like you're focusing on what you're doing and um, trying to get better at it and you don't need anybody to support you or get you through it mm -hmm. on you. Did your parents ever push you to play sports when you were young and you rebelled against it or? No, I think if I had said like I wanted to play soccer or something, they would have been sh like, sure, go, we'll sign you up for it, but they never really. They never were the typical parents that we see nowadays where it's like, yeah. you gotta play something, you gotta yeah. be in these two sports. Yeah, I was always the cheerleader for my brothers. Oh. Which was fine. I'm okay with that. We'd always go watch soccer games and hockey games. And So how old were you when you started dance then? If You must have been... <laughs> I was really young. Really young? Yeah. Oh, so that, that was like pre-hockey and everything, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And just uh, only a year because you just didn't really connect with it? You didn't feel like you had rhythm? Yeah. I don't... I'm not that good at it, so... 
to. I was also really young and I just kind of, I did it for a bit and then I'm not good at like um, being in front of people. So we'd have to do like dance competitions or whatever it is and I did not like that so much. Which is interesting then you'd pick boxing because boxing (laughs) is like the sole spotlight once you get up in front of everybody. Yeah. I only did that once though. Oh, did you when you got into it the ring? It was like an open spar. It wasn't. It wasn't oh, okay. like a real like fight, and there was like five people there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the pressure was there, but just it wasn't too high. Yeah, yeah. So then after boxing, like what was there after that? Just a little bit of lull in your fitness, or was there like did you hike or bike, um, kayak, anything outside? Just a little bit outdoorsy, or go to the gym? I went to the gym. I signed up for that. Um, that boxing, like 30, 30 minute hit. I was in that for a bit, and then I just signed up for a normal gym after and did my own thing. Okay. Before I ended up here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so and then I guess just looking at like your your fitness in general, you know, is kind of like you go on like little sporadic spurts. Do you feel that you kind of go through those two year spurts even with going to the gym, or was that just more sports? I think that was just more sports. I get tired of the team like scheduled practices and mm-hmm. I, you know you had to be here on a certain time I kind of like my freedom of I'm going to work out when I want yeah. and do what I want yeah so. did you have any major injuries or anything when you were playing your sports hockey boxing or is it, did you um, get through all of it relatively unscathed no injuries through any of those sports no <laughs> okay so uh, just to let everybody know when we were Marie and I, we were running stairs a few weeks ago in White Rock, and uh, when we were driving back, she told me this incredible story that just kind of really, really blew me away, because for anybody who knows Maria now or has seen her, even the fact that we were running stairs would, would never think that she has gone through the adversity that she went through and just being able to walk. So... Um, Working out in general, and again, never mind running stairs, and we run stairs all the time. It's just the from where she was at three years ago to where she's at today, it's just mind boggling to me. So, Maria, if you wouldn't mind jumping in and telling us a little bit more about this story, I'm sure everybody's kind of <laughs> guessing now what I'm talking about or want to hear about it. So, again, everybody, if there's any pauses or you know if we we walk away for a minute or things get a little emotional here just just bear with us this is a pretty intense story so um i'm sure as you work through it with us you're going to be absolutely shocked just like myself and i'm going to learn a lot of new details today that i didn't know either so there might be tears running down all of our cheeks here pretty soon and stuff but uh if you wouldn't mind sharing with us yeah. maria should i just say it or should i start from the beginning and just start from the beginning and okay. fill us in. Um, yeah, so three years ago, I was going out to my sister-in-law's house to have a baking day. I have three sister-in-laws, and um, she lives out in Chilliwack. So I was driving with my other sister-in-law, Brittany, and we stopped at a grocery store to pick up what we needed, and I started to get this weird... I thought it was vertigo, so I was walking through back to the till and I said I just need a second and I stopped and I held on to like one of the um side like that it was like the artisanal cheese thing and I held on to mm-hmm. it while Brittany went to go get something else because I, I just couldn't see it was kind of going black and blurry and I was having a really hard time and uh when she came back I was on my knees and she said should I call an ambulance and I said no no it's fine it's fine it's just vertigo she said, I'm going to walk you out to the car. She got me into the car, and she went back and paid for the groceries. And at that point, I was calling my parents to try to tell them there was something wrong, but I couldn't physically say what was wrong. I just said, something's wrong, and I would hang up. And they kept calling, and I'd do the same thing because I couldn't form words to tell them what was going on. What was going through your mind at this time? I, I really just thought it was vertigo, but I think deep down, like, I knew something was really wrong. Because at one point when I was sitting in the car, and I started to get really nauseous, so I was throwing up outside of the car, and I looked over, and there was a guy putting his groceries in the car next to me, and I heard an ambulance, and I thought, okay, good, somebody called an ambulance. But still, I was like, no, this I don't want to be the person that goes to the hospital because I'm dizzy. <laughs> yeah. So 
she, Brittany came back and I said, can you take me to a walk-in clinic? She drove me to the clinic and they were full. And by that point, my parents were already on their way out to Aldergrove because they knew something was really wrong. And they took me to uh, Langley Memorial. Did you have any kind of feeling deep down where you felt like you were lying to yourself just thinking it was yeah. Like I was trying to brush it off, trying to, you know, no, you're going to get through this. I'm just going to go away. Yeah. Um, what were some of the other symptoms that you were feeling besides, like obviously you were feeling dizzy and nauseous, but was there anything else that you're feeling like, were you losing vision or was yeah. anything going numb, fingers going numb or yeah, arms, so I legs? Yeah, see properly, which um, I used to get these migraines called aura migraines where everything would kind of go black and I just see like a weird circle and there'd be like flashing lights and stuff any winning um, lottery numbers yeah and so i um i kind of thought it was maybe related to that because i've had those before and normally they pass about 10 minutes if i put my head down and just kind of sit there it goes away so i was kind of thinking maybe it's just a really bad version of this headache but um yeah no deep down i knew something was definitely not right and i just didn't want to admit it um so you're on your way to the walk-in clinic yeah. And your sister-in-law was driving you. Your parents were on the way there. My parents met us at the walk-in. And um, they, by that point, I was having a really hard time walking, too. So mm -hmm. they helped me get from my car to um, their car and then down to Lang Memorial from there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And what then, was going when you, when they first seen you, what was that interaction like? Honestly, I can't even remember at that point. I remember just like a big rush of getting me into a car and um, I kind of just put my seatbelt on and laid my seat all the way back and kind of just lied there with my eyes shut, hoping that by the time we got there, it would be gone and I could just carry on and go bake with my sisters. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't even imagine being a parent myself, what it would be like to meet somebody halfway to a hospital who has my child and they're experiencing something they can't put their finger on what it is but yeah. you know that it's serious yeah like something was definitely wrong and I, I was still too stubborn to admit it at that point so mm -hmm. um yeah we got to the hospital and they asked if I had hit my head and um I had been up snowboarding like the weekend before so I said well you know I fell but I didn't think I hit my head but they kind of just rolled with that, saying it was a head injury, uh, probably a concussion, that's, that's what it was. So I waited for quite a long time before I got admitted into the um, eMERGE. And um, when I finally got there, they still, they did a bunch of tests, like nothing. I was, they kind of just made me wait. Um, this when you were sitting there in the waiting room or your symptoms getting worse, or were they getting better, or staying about the same? It was about the same. Um, Still very dizzy, nauseous. Very, and very uncomfortable sitting in those little plastic chairs, like just waiting. And I could see people going in before me when mm -hmm. I'm like, I need to get in there now. Like this isn't going away. Yeah, and especially once we, when we feel like our conditions are more serious than, you know, what we have articulated or what they're taking, just because it's that, that questionable period. And deep down inside, you said that you knew that something was significantly wrong but you just don't know what it is did you feel when they thought it was just concussion symptoms did did you feel like it was more than that or did it seem valid to you like yeah this could just be concussion related symptoms um i knew it wasn't concussion related because i knew i hadn't hit my head but mm -hmm. they were just going on. and i also i think too because i wasn't screaming in pain or making a big fuss i kind of just came in like my dad had to wheel me in on a wheelchair but i kind of just came in and was like, yeah, I'm dizzy. <laughs> so I Were was your mom and dad like, I want care for my child right now? I or... think so. I think they were kind of upset about like the length. They waited for quite a long time with me. Mm. And yeah, when, even when I finally got admitted and I was sitting in the bed, they checked my blood, did some things and kind of just said, you got to wait it out. And yeah, they, we waited for, I think, I can't remember. It was a really long time before um, we finally got the CT scan. What happened after you got the CT scan? Um, so they had wheeled me into like a back corner of one of the the rooms in the emergency and um, it was dark and I just remember I still couldn't see but I could hear everything and I couldn't... Um, First of you, let me interject. What's it like getting a CT scan? Um, it's fine. It's just... 
I mean, at that point, I couldn't really do anything. I got had to walk there, and they had to help me up on the bed. And did it seem like everything was just getting real, really surreal at that point in time, or like now, like getting blood work is pretty standard. You know, we've all got blood work taken. You know, but when you're laying on a bed, getting a CT scan, did, did it start to feel a lot more serious at that point in time? Um, it was almost more of a relief because they're finally going to do something else other than make me sit in a bed and wait. Um, the sister-in-law whose house I was going to to go bake, she's a nurse. So mm-hmm. she said, don't leave until you get a scan. And um, that's Do you remember her saying anything to you at all? Like if she's a nurse, did, did she offer any advice as you guys were driving? Or like did, was she a little bit more, no. I don't think that well, this is vertigo? Like She wasn't with me. She was at her house like waiting. And um, okay. I think Brittany had to call her and tell her we're not going to make it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we went and finally got the scan, and then, yeah, I was lying in the bed, and I could I could hear everybody around me talking. By that point, my husband was there, and I think my brothers, but I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But I could hear everybody talking around me, but I couldn't form words. I could hardly even move onto my back on my side, and I just... Um, so your symptoms were getting a lot worse by that point. Yeah, yeah. Just... Um, it was a really weird feeling, um, but I heard the doctor come in and say to my mom and my parents that um, I had a stroke, and I heard my mom start crying at that point, and then... Um, what did it feel like hearing that for the first time? Um, I don't know. It was kind of like... I don't even really remember. I just kind of... I remember hearing my mom start crying, and the doctor came and told me that. Um, it's probably just a lot to process at that point, right? Yeah, it's kind of like a surreal thing where it's like, it's almost like you're having like this out-of-body experience where it's like not really happening. It's just some kind of like crazy dream and you're going to wake up the next day and it's not going to be like that. Like you'll be in your own bed, able to walk. <laughs> it's amazing like how our mind latches onto things like that to help us cope through those experiences. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so after that, the um, I heard the doctor on the phone. He was calling the ambulance um, to take me down to VGH. So they strapped me into the ambulance, and it was like sirens on the full way, like down the highway to get to VGH. Um, what were they doing while you were in the ambulance going to VGH? Um, the paramedic was just sitting beside me, but I was still having really bad vertigo so I felt like I was strapped to the side of the ambulance and I was like losing my mind because I'm like why am I strapped to the side like why am I on the wall of the ambulance right now and this guy's just sitting there like this is completely normal yeah Yeah. wow so you could just imagine the stuff that they deal with on a regular basis but you know to you it's just again this completely surreal moment where you feel like you're strapped to the side of the ambulance just wanting answers from this person and they're just like oh this is nothing honey yeah (laughs) yeah and he's just like watching to make sure i'm doing okay and i'm like i'm hanging off the side of an ambulance right now yeah (laughs) but yeah so i got to vgh and my whole family showed up there and um i was in the emergency there and i met with my neurologist and we were just waiting for a bed for in the neuro neurological ward <laughs> mm-hmm. um yeah it was just kind of like a weird feeling with I could see like all my family standing around and at that point my other my sister-in-law who's a nurse she came and she met us there and they're all just kind of hanging around talking and like I could hear everything and I just couldn't respond like people would try to ask me questions and I'd maybe let out like a yes or a no but like I couldn't really say or do too much mm-hmm. I remember even very clearly at one point, my youngest brother was like, it said low resp on the machine. I guess like my breathing was slowing down and yeah. my sister-in-law went, hey! And I kind of like jumped back like, and she's like, yeah, she's fine. <laughs> but, like, Man, that's so crazy. Yeah. It's like the in the movies where you see the, the soldier standing over the other soldier slapping him in the face, you're not gonna die today. Yeah, it was like, yeah. No, it's like the one thing that I really remember, like in the emergency before I got taken up to like a room. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I hung out um, in the ICU in the that ward for a while. For I want to say five days. 
five, five days. days yeah so in the in the course that five days you know you had the ct scan they realized you had a stroke you got rushed to vgh like what what happened when you got there like what's the what was the treatment plan like did did anything where you just have to stay there so they could monitor you or were they doing anything any procedures yeah so i didn't really understand like the extent of what what i couldn't do at that point so it was kind of by that point by the time i got there it was later at night and so everybody like my family left and like that was it i was just lying in this bed and i was like now what like i didn't know um really that i couldn't walk or anything i didn't even consider that i'd just mm -hmm. been hooked up to all these machines and all of a sudden and thinking i'm 27 yeah 26? 27 27 yeah. like 27 years old feeling like i'm totally healthy normal active going to do some baking and now i just had a stroke like that's it yeah so because it's just not even at that age it's not things that we typically entertain that are even going to happen to us mm -hmm. yeah so it was i still don't think i really like clued in to the extent of what was actually going on at that point other mm -hmm. than just going through the motions of getting carted around to different hospital and different rooms and everything and um nurses and they they did they kept coming in every few hours to do blood tests mm -hmm. and um to make sure i wouldn't i guess I could have had another one within a certain amount of time after. Um, could you feel your body? Like, were you aware that you had a body or could you feel your body, like how you would feel your body right now? Yeah, like, uh, because I was hooked up to machines, I wasn't really like doing anything. So I didn't really have any thought that yeah. I, of what I could and couldn't do. I knew I couldn't see properly. Like everything was really blurry. Like looking at there was a clock like up on the wall across from my bed and I could hardly even like I couldn't tell the time but I knew it was a clock that was sitting there and I couldn't oh, okay. focus on things it wasn't until the next day when I had my phone and um I went to go text my coworkers, and I couldn't see my phone to form a text too and then I thought there's something more wrong than just like mm -hmm. the fact that I can't see but you had more to control of your hands though like you could pick the the did it feel like a phone in your hand or did it just like you held it and it was just something in your hand? Did you have full feeling over your no. fingers? So one of the tests that they would cut, they kept doing over the few days that I was in the ICU was um, making me touch my nose and I couldn't do that. So when I go to touch my face, I would like yeah. miss and hit the other side of my face. Um, Going for the nose and you end up on the ear yeah, the other side. Yeah. yeah. Um, things like that. Like I just couldn't judge where what like I couldn't it was more my left side I couldn't really control what was going on with mm -hmm. like my left side of my body and did anybody offer you any advice like to say these are totally normal symptoms to feel or like what was the general atmosphere like when you were in ICU um that was very normal so they said you know I have to get it back like I would get it back but I need to just start using my arms and my hands and things like that. So my aunt had brought me like a stress ball and mm -hmm. I would play around with that. Um, uh, I'd have to like do something like eat an apple. I'd try to do it with my left hand so I could reach my mouth, but a lot of time I'd end up hitting my chin just to get the motion <laughs> Was that back. just the oddest experience? Or like something that seems fundamentally so easy, like apple hand, hand, mouth, yeah, bite? Yeah, to mouth, it was so hard. Did yeah. you have to try to think about, okay, a little bit to the right when you're coming in or it was it was like this feeling of like um my body was like the drunkest i've ever been but mm -hmm. my mind was like what are you doing like you can eat an apple yeah <laughs> like why can't you put this apple to your mouth and you know we would never recall any moments in our childhood when we were learning to do those things because they happen when we're so young mm -hmm. and they just organically happen but yeah. you know I think of all the times where I've been feeding my kids or and then they take over the spoon and it's to the forehead to the eyeball yeah, to the yeah. ear and it's that's what it felt like yeah I'm like but my brain's like what are you doing <laughs> so when all those things were happening was it was it manageable for you emotionally or at this point in time were you was reality starting to kick in a little or, bit and being like what like I just went through this and now I don't even have control over my arm. I can't get this apple to my mouth anymore. 
I think reality kind of checked in when I um, I couldn't get to the bathroom. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I couldn't get up. And they wouldn't let me get up. And that's kind of when I realized, like, I can't walk. How many days in was that? That was probably day two. So, um... So you're driving out to do some baking two days later after realizing you can't bring an apple to your mouth to take a bite. Now all of a sudden you realize you can't walk. Yeah, yeah. And I hadn't even really considered it. I don't think at that point, like, I've for me, I was just lying in a hospital bed with machines and people were checking to see if I was okay. I didn't even consider the fact that I can't get up to go, like, do anything. And I had people coming in, like, constantly but because it was like the ICU they didn't want too much stimulation so I was only allowed two people at a time so I just had this revolving door of people like that were in the waiting room and then two people would come in and they'd rotate um so I didn't have to get up for a while so I didn't really even consider it was it overwhelming having that constant stream of people coming in or was it nice just having all those people who cared about you just flowing in and out of the room all the time it was so nice to see the um like the people come, like yeah friends who I hadn't seen for a long time that had come out to see me like I had an uncle who came from the island he like jumped on the ferry for like an hour <clears throat> is there anybody who really stands out in your mind where it was you know like it just meant the world to you like you've seen them and it was I can't believe that you're here or one of those classic scenarios that we all go through when we really need people in our life and this one person just shines out of nowhere that we were never expecting was there any moments like that no I think I, I mean like a lot of people that came I was really thankful that they would come out but I mean my husband was there like every day he'd wake up and drive out to VGH and how was it on him I think it was hard obviously it would have been hard I guess but like I um he never also, really showed it either though so like he was very strong and also, too, he probably had a little bit more information about what was going on than what you did. Yeah, like, he was probably point. absorbing more of the information, but he was very, like, um, just there for, like, the support, which I think would be better than, like, the panic, like, had I known how he actually was feeling at the time. Because mm-hmm. I feel like, like, his strength from that would have, like, made it so much easier. To Do you want me to get you a Kleenex? It seems like you were able to explain quite a bit of the story up to this point before getting emotional. Like, what do you think makes you emotional about it now at this point of the story? I just remember, like, sitting in the bed. Um, and uh, I'd wake up in the morning and they'd bring me my breakfast. And, like, my my routine became, like, wake up, get breakfast, and cry. <laughs> and... Um, then see people when they'd start to come in and put on a strong face for them. Could you see it when people walked in to the hospital room that it was tough and they were just trying to be strong for you? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Which was good. I don't like um, showing weakness. <laughs> so, like, I, I kind of want to, like, wake up and cry before anybody showed up so they didn't know, like, everybody knew I was okay. Mm-hmm. So Do you think that... Me allowed you enough time to be able to process the situation or or maybe even on the flip side was it nice because you could process it in tidbits because you had so many people coming in that you just didn't get flooded with all this information and then have all this downtime to be able to to process it like there's do on it yeah yeah I think um well I mean definitely the people showing up to come and see me every day was I a lot easier I think on me than if I was just sitting in the room by myself all day just with the constant like they'd come in and check my blood and do my usual routine of my tests to see if I was progressing any better I'd have um, somebody come in to make sure that I could like I'd start walking tell me start walking things like that so that I could get moved out of the ICU did they give you any signs that your symptoms were getting better, like you were getting 
excuse me, just a little bit more, like motor control over your arms? Did you feel like that you were progressing or, or is it staying the same or getting worse? Well, they told me um, when I um, was starting to try to walk again that I might have to go to like a rehab facility for a bit after I left the hospital. And mm -hmm. once they told me that, I was like, no, that's not going to happen. Like, I'm, I'm walking out of this place. Like, I am not going to sit around in like some other place in Surrey to, for rehabilitation. Like, I'm mm -hmm. getting out. And how many days in was that? I don't know. I don't remember. I was only there, I think, for six or seven days. So I got moved after that out of the ICU once they found I was, like, safe for having another one. Um, so, yeah. Did you feel inside? Because sometimes we'll have that little nervous feeling that something else can happen. Did you ever feel like a, another stroke was going to happen, or did you feel that it was this one-time thing and you were past it? Um, I didn't really think about that. I, I, it wasn't really a concern. Mm. Yeah. And if it did, I was in the hospital, so they'd be able to help me. But no, it wasn't really a concern of mine. Did it feel good when they made the decision to transfer you out of ICU? Did it, did a moment like that say, okay, well, now I'm a little bit more in the clear. Things are getting a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. So once I was out of the ICU, I felt I was almost home. Mm. Yeah. Did you gain any more control over your arms or your legs once you got transferred from ICU just into general administration? Um, yeah, like, so my walking got a lot better. Not great, but, um, like, they'd have, like, my husband would come around and he'd have to hold my arm up and we'd walk around, like, the ward. And it would take a long time, like, holding onto walls and everything, but... Could you feel your feet or your legs, like... What was it like when you would get out of your bed and put your feet on the floor? Like, what was what was that feeling? Still very wobbly, because I still had somewhat of like a vertigo, so it kind of would still feel like the floor was shifting from under me. But also my brain was still thinking like, you can walk like one foot in front of the other, but my feet just didn't want to do it. Yeah. It wouldn't go properly. So you're like, now you're having to process gate left foot pick up, yeah. knee up, step forward, yeah. instead of just organically happening is what it always has. Yeah, so that was a really weird feeling when my brain's like, it's easy, like, one, two, one, two, but my body was like, no, it doesn't go that way anymore. Did they, did they say that there was any kind of point where, you know, like your stroke was, if it was any worse, that you would have lost all of this control? Like, how did they give you any idea of the severity of your strokes, it seems like you had some pretty bad symptoms like losing control over your arms and your legs, but that some of it was still, you still had some control. Is it because you got on it right away or? I don't know if it's because I got on it right away. I think it could have been a lot worse. They said that I was lucky because my brain remembered how to walk, my body just didn't. Whereas it could have been worse than that my brain forgot how to walk. So I'd have to completely reteach myself how to do that again. Um, did you ever have to like physically or did somebody ever physically have to pick up your leg and move it forward or did you always have a base amount of control or if you thought about it long enough you could take that step on your own? Um, well the first time I went I had the, um, I had two people like my husband and then the other lady she like one person on each side to try to walk from like my bed like five feet in front of me so they kind of dragged me there but my feet could move but just not the right like the right way I guess mm. was there any moments like still like now it's so many days in again like I'm, I'm 27 years old now I'm like I I have to teach myself how to walk again like was there any moments that just seemed so were you seemed very awestruck by the the whole experience or did everything just keep happening so fast that um I don't know I mean I think a lot of it was just going through the motions to be able to walk so that I didn't have to go to rehab mm. but things kind of started to take a toll like when I was out of the ICU and I, I still, like, I just wanted to go home. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I was going to do anything to go home. I ended up just 
I guess I almost just started to feel sorry for myself after a few days of just sitting around, um, not being able to walk properly and get up and... Was it exhausting? Like, you'd go that five feet and it'd be exhausting to be able to get there, or like, you know, physically or emotionally, just the whole experience being so taxing on something that should be so easy? Yeah, it was more frustrating because, like I said, like I could, I knew I could do it. I just, my body didn't. And so to get from one end of a hallway and having to like have somebody hold me up and then hold onto the wall on the other side was just, it was getting frustrating. Was there any moments where it just became too overwhelming or you just pushed a little bit too hard and it was just your body shut down or was it, did they manage you and kind of keep you going down little, little baby steps down the road just so that, you know, like you didn't push too hard too quickly? Yeah, it was kind of just on my own terms. I, I'd have to be back for my routine blood tests and stuff, but I would never go too far. So mm-hmm. it was just a little bit at a time, like little trip around the hallway and back, and then I'd have some time to rest. I, when I finally ended up getting to sit in a chair, it was kind of like the next step to being able to get out. What were the conversations at this point in time, like with your, your husband and your brothers and your mom and dad, you know, just starting to kind of live the whole experience because it's been four, five, six days after. What was what were some of those conversations like? Um, I can't really remember. I remember, like, obviously everybody would always ask if I was okay, am I okay? And I, I like, trying to be, like, the tough person. Like, I'm fine, stop asking me. Um, but Got a little it, stubborn about it? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't want to should be too weak but like I'm I'm gonna get through this like I'm gonna be fine (laughs) and you hear stories like that all the time the people who just refuse to give up like Mm -hmm. they're just they don't even want to entertain that it's really going on and they take that stubborn approach always seems like that not saying they didn't go through a real heavy struggle but those are the people who have like really great stories to tell after just like yours yeah I think the like the one moment that I remember from like when I finally Because I would hold it in so much and just, you know, put on a strong face. And it was still, like, a little bit surreal, too. Like, is this actually even really happening? Like, there's no way that I, that this is for real right now. But I remember because I ordered, you get your little menu in the morning. You order what you want for dinner. And chow mein was, like, the dinner. And I remember I finally broke down because I got my tray for my dinner. And I opened up and it was just carrots. And I just (laughs) sat there and I bald and I like broke down and just my husband was there and he's like panicked and he's trying to find me went down to the food court to try to find me like my chow mein because I was waiting on it and that, that was just like the moment where I like took a turn and like put on a strong face for so long and like cried over my my carrots <laughs> yeah the the straw that broke the camel's yeah back. that was it I remember like, just sobbing as he's rushing around to try to find chow mein and we all need me. those moments too yeah. right where like you can only be so strong for so long because that's half of being strong on the next phase of where you need to be strong for yeah, too, right? Yeah, that was kind of my breakdown moment that I remember the most. <laughs> what were what were the nights like when you know, was your husband able to stay with you, your parents or your brother? Or no, nobody was able to stay. Um, so they it was just they shut the lights off and. Did you just like jack yourself up on any kind of medication or was it? (laughs) Well, in the ICU, they would continually be coming around. So I couldn't get a lot of sleep because I'd keep coming to check my blood, do my tests. When I got out of there, I had a TV. But I mean, it was interesting because I was, I think I was probably the youngest person in those, both those wards. So you'd hear all these things around you, like somebody fell out of bed or somebody's getting angry because they're not getting up to go walk around and I'm just lying there trying to get some sleep and and most of these people that have gone through the same experience you're going through are like at least twice your age yeah yeah so like their kids are coming to check up on them and I have like my my parents and my brothers and my husband and all my friends and just a young group of people coming through to make sure I'm okay meanwhile there's these older people in there that they don't want to walk they don't they don't really have any determination to try to walk or anything you can hear them arguing with the nurses and I'm like get me out of here <laughs> was there any really dark moments at night you know just 
being exhausted because they're, they keep on coming in and out of your room to do these tests and obviously going through this absolutely horrendous experience that just came out of nowhere. Like, was there any really hard nights that you just struggled through or? Yeah, um, well, when it first happened, I was just exhausted. Like, my body was just tired. So I slept pretty good, I feel like, for the first few days. But as I started to kind of realize what was actually going on, I w it would be harder to sleep. I'd have a lot of, of a hard time falling asleep, and um, they'd come in, and I remember one night they um, had to change my IV thing, and I hate needles. And this one nurse came in, and she put a cloth over my face, and she's like, we're going to get through this, and she just like held my hand and talked to me while the other nurse changed my IV for me because I was freaking out about that. But other than that and in the grand scheme of things it's just it's so small compared to everything I was like you one side you can't walk and then the other side you're scared of needles and it yeah. just petrifies you this needle going into your arm needles and then the thought of blood and the constant like taking of my blood like I hated doing that yeah it like where what inside you or like do you can you identify with now like that person inside you that allowed you to be so strong like this is a, it's a pretty character testing moment to have that kind of strength like the the absolute want to be able to get out of the hospital to not have to go to rehab to you know i can't even imagine what it would be like all of a sudden the recognition that you can't walk anymore or that you have to think about walking but it seems like none of that stuff really broke you down that hard or it might have very momentarily but you never lost your your will just to want to get out of that hospital yeah I just didn't like the feeling of um people worrying about me so I don't know I don't I um I just wanted to prove to everybody that I was going to be fine did you have you always known you were that strong of a person or was that that moment that just it kind of does it shock you looking back at it now that you were that strong um i think i've always kind of been the person that doesn't want to show weakness <laughs> um but yeah i mean i guess just the determination to get out of there it's my mom always says that it's pretty like a big deal that i that i was able to walk out of there and not have to go to rehab but i don't really see it that way i guess I just think like I just wanted out. <laughs> Do you think that it was that way because you just you never entertained ever going to rehab? You never entertained not being able to walk in. You knew once that that week expiration at the hospital came, like you you were hundred percent gonna walk out and go home. Do you yeah. think like that helps a lot of clouding over it now? Yeah, like I was I wasn't gonna go to rehab. That wasn't even a thought. Like I was gonna walk out of there. And I yeah. It didn't even come into my head. Like, it was mentioned a few times, and I, I just kind of, I brushed it off. Like, no, I'm walking before I leave this place. Did you get a feeling from any of the nurses that, or any of the doctors, that they thought you were totally out to lunch, thinking that you weren't going to have to go to rehab? Or did they kind of mm -hmm. smile and nod at you, like, yeah, Maria, you're not going to have to go to rehab? <laughs> no, they were pretty supportive, too. Like, my neurologist would come in and, make sure I was walking and everything and nobody ever really made it sound like I was gonna have to go to rehab they're really supportive about me walk, getting around to the hospital just walking on my own and everything when your neurologist was coming in did he ever give you any idea like why this happened to you like you know was there any perspective of so like as we know like strokes at 27 are pretty uncommon do they do they have any idea why um no they're not really sure there is some kind of correlation they think with people that get those aura migraines but there's no actual like proven um nothing's proven that's actually like defines that that's what it was from um in the end it was like a um an artery dissection which clotted on the one side so it could have been from many things like um would that have been something that you were born with or would that be something that you would have got from like playing sports or a car accident or anything along those lines? Yeah, so from what I understand, um, the artery could have dissected at any point, but it was at the point 
when it clotted is when the stroke happened. So it could have been dissected like a year or even like a week before. They don't know they don't know how how that happened, but it's when it clotted that I got that. And for everybody who doesn't know, could you explain what it is when the artery dissects? It's just the artery in the back of my neck that um, supplies blood to the brain and it's split in half and then one side of it clotted. So you still had a little bit of blood flow going to your brain but it would have been about half the amount of blood that would normally should be going there? Yeah, I guess something like that, yeah. So is that they removed that clot or how, how did they repair that? Did they take that section out or is it still there? Like what did... It's what? still there. So I've done, I did an MRI before I left um, just to see where it was. It was still there and I did one a year after and it's still there. Um, are they worried about it at all? No, no. Um, the chances of it happening again are so slim that um, there's, I just take a baby aspirin every day to keep my blood somewhat thin and it's just, it's just there still. Mm. If it was really bad and a concern, they could take it out, but it's, it's not. So. so what was it like the, when they were the, like the last day or so before you left the hospital, you know, was there any significant moment that happened? Like all of a sudden you could, you know, walk on your own again or relatively unassisted? Like what, what was the determination of the, what they allowed you to be able to leave the hospital and go home and not have to go to rehab? Um, so I had to show, I'm blanking on what it's called, the, um, I can't think of what the name is. Is it like a test of some kind or? Yeah, so she gave me a test. I can't think of what the job description is, which is stupid, but um, she came in and she made sure that I could walk. And then she, the little test she did was she gave me some new pajamas and she kind of turned them inside out and backwards and said, you have to put these on. So, which it sounds ridiculous now, but like to focus on putting my shirt like inside from inside out to right side and putting it on and like completely changing was difficult, but like I had to do it to show her like I'm, I'm capable of. How long did it take you to be able to get the pajamas <laughs> turned inside out the right way? And then you had to put them on too? Yeah, so I had to change like my, my outfit. Um, it didn't take, it probably didn't take as long as I thought it did, but my just determination to make sure I had done it right. And, like my shirt wasn't on backwards or my pants on inside out or whatever <laughs> but you can even tell though like that that is something the body would just naturally do like you wouldn't really think if you if you were pulling your pajamas out of the laundry and they just happen to flip inside out you would not think well you just flip them inside out but the that you had to put that kind of energy yeah and thought into it also kind of speaks to where you were at too yeah so when she first did it i was like this is stupid what like i can do that and then when you go to pick up like the pants or whatever to turn them the right way I'm like, okay take it slow <laughs> was it shocking like were you surprised after that it took that amount of energy or were you just kind of um, I was surprised but also like proud I'm like I did this like so can I leave <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and like so that was that was the sign-off moment like once you were able to do that she was like okay you're good to go yeah, she's like, I'll go tell your neurologist and the nurses. And then we didn't really know what to do. So my dad and my husband were there. And I'm like, does this mean we can go? Like, can we leave? And we kind of waited around a little bit. I'm like, do I get like a certificate? Like a, <laughs> yeah. you did it kind of pass or something. And we just packed everything up and we're like, bye. And that was it. Like, <laughs> Really? Yeah. Signed yourself out and. See ya. Yeah. Did you walk out or wheelchair out or arm on the shoulder? Um, I think I walked with like got like help hold on to like my husband's arm mm -hmm. and then made it to the car. My dad, I think, or no, my husband pulled the car around, so we, he was out front when I. What was it like getting into the the car? Did it flood back any memories from when it happened, or what was it like walking out the doors into the? fresh air and realizing that this journey is almost done. It felt so good to get back in my car, <laughs> which um, we're, we're driving home and it just, you know, I play with the radio and like turn on music like that I hadn't been able to listen to for a week and 
text people like I'm free <laughs> just felt like I don't know it felt like freeing did the time seem like it flew by or did it just drag on like once you walked out of the doors it seemed like a blink of an eye and you know it's like man like a couple of days ago I couldn't even walk you know yeah part of me was like is this okay like after like what just happened like should I be leaving like now they trust me is this but at the same time I'm like no get me out of here so how did your legs feel at that point? Did you did you trust them? Were they strong? Mm. Did you feel weak in the legs still? Like, what was... It was still, like, my legs were fine at that point. It was my vision and, like, the vertigo feeling. Like, I still struggled with that for a few weeks after. So I still, when I was at home, I still needed people to come and stay with me. Um, I couldn't be on my own just to do basic, like I couldn't cook or do laundry or anything like that. So, um, well, it's nice having everybody around to be able to take care of all those things. For yeah. You. Yeah. So my brother would come sit with me and my mother-in-law would come and, um, she'd make dinner and we'd watch like TLC marathons together and everything. No Netflix binges. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so once you got home, was there, was there any moments where your husband was, finally like oh, I can just express how hard this was for me or your parents or did everybody just kind of okay now Maria's home we're all moving on no I, th I still had a hard time with um um just accepting the fact of what happened so um my husband's still really strong just you know I still had to to get down the hall of my house I was still holding walls and um Showering was hard because of the ledge in the tub. I couldn't get my leg up and over into like the shower, so I had to use like our ensuite shower, which we never use, and it was just a weird like shift in life routines for me. So I, I um, couldn't really walk my dog. Um, and was it tough because there's not one of these moments where you know, okay, I was walking across the street and this car slammed on its brakes, or like. You know, I was sitting at a red light and I heard these brakes hit behind or come behind me. Like there wasn't a moment that you could leverage saying that this is the reason why I feel like this because I would assume having a stroke kind of feels like it almost didn't happen or like yeah. there's not something like impactful enough to be able to identify with a why that you're now starting to feel all these residual effects. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think I got tired of um, my mom would call all the time to make sure I was okay and I kind of would get frustrated with her and like grumpy and I know that she was just like worried about me obviously but I would I kind of got tired of like are you okay are you okay are you okay like I'm fine like I can do this like I'm gonna get gonna get through and um at one point she called me and I kind of snapped at her and then I just like ended up sobbing on the phone to her and she's like I'm on my way <laughs> so she drove over I just um I guess like the loss of like somewhat independence and having people having to come like make dinner and do laundry and just like the small things that got taken away in that time I was having a hard time dealing with because I was home and it was comfortable to be home but I couldn't do a lot of things so I was just sitting on the couch like stewing on that. <laughs> so then it gets to that point like we were talking about earlier where now you have too much time to be able to think yeah. about this situation. Did it get harder once you got home or did it did it get easier? What was it like? Because um, you were so determined to get out of the hospital. Like that obviously kept a certain amount of, of focus and determination saying I'm not going to let this stand in my way. I'm going to walk out. I get out. I get home and now I have a tough time walking down the hallway and I have a tough time getting in the shower and I can't cook and I can't do my own laundry and yeah I wasn't I it it was hard because yeah just sitting there like I'm finally home like I want to try to make dinner and I can't like I, I would try um but I couldn't obviously like hold a knife or anything um just trying to help and I also it was a fine line between doing too much but also trying to get back into the habit to get used to doing that again like walking down the little stairs to get to the laundry and being able to cook and just things walk walk my dog um was it exhausting like was it was waking up in the morning knowing you're going to be faced with these kind of days was it exhausting getting out of bed um yeah sometimes i just like lie there like why, why even get up like 
what am I going to do? Get out, move to the couch, turn on the TV, and do it all over again. How were you sleeping? Fine. I slept fine. It was good to be, like, back home. Like, after spending that much time, like, in a hospital bed with all these people falling out of bed around you and things like that, finally be back in my own bed was... Nothing's better than that. <laughs> so did you did you notice a little bit of improvement every day, or was it, like, did it go in like weekly stages or like how long did it take from when you got home to start seeing some real solid progress where it just wasn't so hard to live everyday life it didn't take long i um i started to take work home because i felt like i needed to do my job still so against their um suggestion i would do work from home on my computer and um, it just became, things like that help us all though, right? Gives yeah. us a, a task to be able to focus on, especially since what you went through has to do with your mind. So, you know, like taxing your mind and forcing your, your, your mind to think and rebuilding those synapses in your mind is definitely, yeah. So I did take my mind off of that for sure. And you, it just came down to like trusting myself that I'm not going to fall, that I can walk like just try to focus on things. I still have an issue sometimes in grocery stores or like malls where I have, um, I still get that vertigo-y feeling if it's busy and there's a lot going on around me. I have to kind of just zone in on like one thing, like the end of the aisle and just don't focus on anything around me because I, I will sometimes start to feel that vertigo feeling again. And I've done that before not too long after when I was finally driving and I went to the grocery store I went and I left because I panicked and mm -hmm. I just I needed came down to just like trusting myself like you're gonna be okay you can get through this go how long after you got out of the hospital and had your stroke did you go to the grocery store and have to leave that's probably about probably about a month mm -hmm. yeah so it was still kind of all when it was relatively new, but you said still to this day that you feel? Yes. Like, I, I order, like, the grocery store online shopping and go and pick it up sometimes, like, if I have to do a big shop, because I'd rather not walk through a grocery store. <laughs> well, people will do that who haven't gone through the experience you go through, too, so you can cut yourself a well, little bit Well, I feel like I need you. a shirt or something when there's this, like, poor little old lady wheeling my groceries out to me. And I'm like, I feel like I need an explanation. Like, I'm not going to go in there. <laughs> mm -hmm. But do you feel any guilt or any, any emotion to like, what, when you think about it now, like, how do you feel about it? Like what, what emotions do you connect with now? Um, it still feels kind of surreal when it gets, I don't bring it up a lot. I have a hard time even like saying that it happened. Cause part of me is like one day somebody's going to say, no, that didn't happen. That was like a bad dream because I still like I remember everything that happened it's just like but it doesn't really feel like it did <laughs> mm. if that makes sense well it's just it's the acceptance of it yeah you know really bridging that gap saying okay well yes this did happen when you know a lot of it went all all the stages went by so quickly too from when it first happened to when you were back at home mm -hmm. so a lot of it is probably hard to be able to process because it all happened so quickly that you still question like did that happen did not you like even though you know it did yeah you know but it's just like it's amazing that somebody can have a stroke end up at the hospital and within a week be back at home recovering yeah yeah it was more just going through the motions to recover and get better and um, get back to normal life than it was sitting there thinking about, oh my God, what just happened? Mm -hmm. Are you able to joke around about it with your friends and family now? I will, yeah. Some of them still think like too soon. I get in trouble at work sometimes because of that, but... Um, it's all I'm, a part of being able to deal with it and move on to it. Like yeah. being at that point where you're not so emotionally attached to it that you can joke around about yeah. it. it's all part of the healing process i almost have to sometimes like in order to make it seem more real i guess mm. like just refer to it in a joking way yeah <laughs> yeah how's like your your husband your mom and your dad your brothers now or like is it all water under the bridge for everybody or are they still a little sensitive about it um so i'm sure there's probably a part of them that felt like they almost lost you that day 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, probably, yeah, if you ask my mom, yeah, for sure. Yeah, she'll say that, but um, nobody really brings it up that much, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, Your husband just more looks at that you owe me one for taking care of you all those weeks and months. Yeah, yeah, I mean, how do you ever, like, repay people for, like, putting in that much strength to try to help you get through it? Like, mm -hmm. even, like, his mom sitting with me watching TLC marathons, like, how do you thank her for spending her time, like, her days sitting there with me to help me get down the hall and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. How was it for you and your husband? Like, was it a moment, was it hard for you guys, or did you just plow right through it? We got right through it. Awesome. We're, uh, yeah, we've been together for a long time, so he, um, yeah, I mean, I, I probably was a little bit grumpy sometimes, but he, he was, re he's really good about, um, just getting through it, go through the motions and take it day by day. We're going to get through this. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. So now you're home, you're feeling good. You've kind of bridged that gap. You're able to joke around about it with friends and family. So I only know you from like the... I'm just going to blow through workouts like crazy. Yeah. So when I heard this story just a few weeks ago, that's what blew me away is just knowing, like, it's it's hard for me to connect with it because when not have gone through that process with you, you would never know. Like, you would, like, there's, there's nothing about how you live your everyday life now that anybody would ever guess that you've gone through something so um, like incredibly taxing on your mind and your your body like when you do all the stuff you do now fitness wise like hiking and you know spin classes and running stairs and all these workouts like how how does all that feel to you like do you connect with it saying like i i can't believe i'm doing this when you're doing it do you ever have you know, like those moments where you go back to laying in the hospital bed when you realize you couldn't walk for the first time? Um, it comes up every once in a while. It's not something that I think about that often. Um, my mom always says, oh, you should, you should tell them. Like when I started working out here, you should tell them, you should tell them. I'm like, no, 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 because I don't, like I'm past it. Like it's fine. I'm not going to, there's no need to. We don't need to talk about it. It's weird. It's a weird thing to bring up um, to people. So I just kind of not forget about it. Like it's there, but like I, I worked through it. So why do like why dwell on it? Is it weird to bring up because it, it's hard to talk about? Like, do you feel embarrassed at all, or why why do you think it's hard to bring up? I still feel like it's uh, very like did that even happen? <laughs> mm -hmm. So I, I feel like if I, if I say it, then that makes it all the more like real. So it's just easier to not, not mention it. <laughs> and this being the, and for everybody doesn't know, this is the first time that Maria has shared this story in detail with somebody who doesn't know. And now she's sharing it with all of us. Does it become more real or is it easier to talk about it now than what you thought was going to be or is it harder to talk about than what you thought it was going to be I feel like it's getting easier I also feel like I need to try to like accept what actually happened um instead of just kind of brushing it off like my friends sometimes will ask me like are you okay I have a co-worker she doesn't work with us anymore she always emails me like how are you feeling how are you feeling and I always I'm fine, I'm fine, but I think I, I need to start accepting it more, and I think talking about it would make that easier, mm -hmm. but it's still hard to, hard to talk about sometimes. Well, and just how do you share it when nobody's going to be able to understand what that's like? Yeah. Like there's, unless if you talk to people who've been through what you've been through at your age, because even somebody who has been through a stroke who's... 50, 60, 70, it would feel totally different than at 27. Yeah. There's probably not a lot of people that you can talk to to say, hey, I went through this, and you guys can share stories back and forth. Yeah, 
And how do you bring it up even? Like, hi, I'm Maria. I had a stroke. <laughs> yeah, that's what the t-shirt's for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just need, like, a descriptive t-shirt. Yeah. My name is Maria. I was 27 when I had my stroke. Please share your story with me. Yeah. P.S. I'm fine now. <laughs> yeah. P.S. Don't email me or text yeah. me or Facebook message me or WhatsApp me. Yeah. yeah. That was the one thing I said when I left the hospital. I'm like, do I get a shirt? Like, uh, like uh, I survived a stroke and all I got was a stupid t-shirt. Like, <laughs> do they not hand those out? <laughs> I didn't have to get wheeled out in a wheelchair. I walked yeah. out on my own. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing. They didn't even say Not goodbye. Not even a certificate. <laughs> yeah. No goodbye. Just, I'm going to go talk to these other people now yeah. and just wait here until it's so awkward that you just want to leave on your own. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. So that's, and yeah, but obviously nothing now inhibits you from doing anything fitness wise. Like I see you killed all the time and I say like we run hundreds of sets of stairs all the time and it just doesn't phase you. And, um, I just really just want to say thank you for this being the first time that you shared this story so publicly and I really hope that it helps heal you in any other way that you need to be healed to be able to just accept it and move on and be able to talk about it and share it with your story and um, yeah I just think it's incredible that you were able to maintain being so strong and even when you talk about it now like you can tell that there's some parts that you're gonna get emotional about but you just you're still so strong talking about it that you just reel it right back in. Yeah, thank you. Good. So on that note, we're going to wrap this up. And for uh, everybody out there listening, thank you. And I hope that this story really inspired you. And in light of what this story is all about and how I know Maria, we're actually going to go work out. Yep. Yep. So we're going to crush it. What do you, uh, you want to train? Everything. Everything? Yeah. The pressure. <laughs> Fingers all the way to the toes, because you know what? When you can walk, when you couldn't walk before, train everything. So thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to We Are I.